Everyone, we are here on the TW Now program. We're live. It is Thursday at about 3 o'clock Eastern, so welcome. Glad to uh, have everybody join us. I'm here with my friends and colleagues and uh, fellow ministers of Jesus Christ, Dr. Scott Winnell and Dr. Doug Winnell. Uh, both are ministers and both have uh, advanced um, education in the health care, or not the health care, but the health health. Uh, field in general. I'm going to ask them to um, explain a little bit about their educational background just briefly in a second. Today's topic is addiction, the drug abuse epidemic. And this is a program that might hit close to home for many of you. Many of you might have friends, family, relatives that are dealing with drug addiction. It uh, could be prescription pharmaceutical drugs. It could be uh, illegal drugs. It could be um, it could be alcoholism. This, this is a problem that really uh, seems to be sweeping the country. Before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to share the links, please, the uh, Facebook <clears throat> link or the YouTube link. Uh, the topics today, we'll put them up on screen real quickly, and then I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Doug Winnell and Dr. Scott Winnell to do a little uh, intro or overview of their, their educational background because it's, it applies to, to the program. The topics today are uh, uh, the opioid and the, the general drug e epidemic that the United States and the world is facing. We're going to talk about side effects. We're going to then talk about is there a cure, is it scientific or moral? And then we're going to talk <coughs> about how you can maybe have the, have the strength and find the strength to overcome. We're not giving clinical advice, uh, but we hope to point people toward, toward some uh, principles, biblical principles and resources, and most importantly, toward some uh, some godly principles. Uh, Dr. Scott, maybe you could start a little bit about just your, your background in the, um, the, the, the health uh, uh, profession and uh, then Dr. Doug. Okay. My background has to do with public health. Uh, prior to coming to work for the church, I worked primarily with the health of school-aged populations, did a lot of work with state government, uh, state departments of health and education, centers for disease control and prevention. I've got a bit of background in epidemiology as well, which is the study of diseases and, and health problems in populations. And uh, Dr. Doug Winnell. I've got a degree from college in biology. I got a doctor's degree in anatomy physiology and a master of public health degree in nutrition and health education. I've taught college uh, courses in health education, as well as uh, preventing alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, was in college during the uh, LSD years. I did not inhale, <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of things going on at that time back in the 60s. But it's been very interesting just watching what has happened to uh, the abuse of drugs over the years. Right, right. We appreciate both of you men joining us. And most importantly, I think, we're all ministers of Jesus Christ, and we, we do care about um, our fellow human beings out there. We don't want to see people suffering, families torn apart. Um, but Dr. Doug Winnell and Dr. Scott Winnell have some specific uh, training and background that, that would be helpful for the program today. Um, everyone, th there, there, there's a serious problem. Uh, I'd like our production team to bring up <clears throat> this Newsweek article, put that on screen. Um, Kellyanne Conway is going to run the White House's opioid crisis epidemic uh, 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 efforts, um, and uh, it talks about uh, Donald Trump, uh, President Trump, appointing her to help, quote-unquote, change the perception about opioids and reduce the addictions and deaths. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. I think we all, we want 
um, any program that's effective that can help prevent babies being born um, addicts or that can help prevent people <coughs> becoming uh, addicts, uh, we, we support that if, if it's helpful. Um, I, I think we're skeptical that uh, there's any human um, program that's going to really solve the problem, but we'll, more on that later. Uh, one more quote from the uh, Newsweek article. Put, put that back, back up on screen, production team, if you would, please. Um, in the past, she has, uh, speaking of Kellyanne Conway, in the past, she has shared sessions as in Trump's view on defeating drug abuse. That's kind of halfway down. Strict prevention <coughs> programs, something we were talking about a little bit before the program started today. Um, apparently, she said the best way to stop people from dying from overdoses and drug abuse is by not starting in the first place. Uh, she told Fox News, that's a big core message to our youth. And I, and I think we would, we would agree with that. Uh, before we get too much farther into the program, uh, Drs. Doug Waddell and Dr. Scott Winnell, <clears throat> what are some of your initial thoughts on the extent of the epidemic, the extent of what's going on in the United States, elsewhere around the world? You know, how bad is it statistically? What are the human consequences? You know, in terms of the opioid epidemic, it's been described as the worst epidemic in the history of the United States of America. But it's not only limited here. It just happens to be that the Americans are consuming the bulk of the opioids available. Uh, so we are consuming an awful lot of them. But the same thing is happening in Australia, Canada, um, other places around the world. Just to give you an idea of what's happening in America, in 2016, they estimate that 64,000 people died of overdoses of opioids. And that's about 90 persons per day. And since 2000, between 2000 and 2015, over half a million people have died from overdoses of opioids. It's just very sobering. The, the, the numbers, and we're going to talk about a couple human, um, you know, specific stories, but the numbers are almost numbers you, you, can't really, uh, you can't really comprehend. Dr. Scott, I want you to jump in in one second, but sure. here's an article that I think you actually sent around Dr., uh, Dr. Doug Winnell earlier, and um, it, it has a number of, of, of statistics. I'll just hold this up real quickly. I won't go through all of them. Uh, 39% sharp rise in hero heroin-related deaths. Heroin-related deaths jumped 39% from 2012 to 2013. Um, <clears throat> the rate of heroin-related overdoses nearly quadrupled. I'm not going to go through all the statistics, but just one more. 75%, um, the, 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 uh, the, that's the percentage of heroin addicts that first used uh, prescription opioids before turning to heroin, 75% of the heroin addicts. I mean, heroin, and maybe both, of, not to get you off track, I know you're going to say something, but I mean, heroin is a, a, a really destructive drug. I've, I've known people that were addicted to heroin. Uh, when I was even younger, I've, I've known people, and, and I do know people still. And a lot of people apparently start with prescription drug addictions. Any comments on that or other, other comments before we get further? <clears throat> yeah, the opioids, um, basically, most of the people with opioid addiction become addicted to prescription painkillers, but in most cases, it's not their own prescription. They're taking somebody else's prescription. And so you've got this classification of opioids. Heroin falls into that. But the prescription addiction then leads to a heroin addiction because the prescription meds may become more difficult to get to, and heroin's more available on the street. Dr. Doug, any, <clears throat> anything you were going to add? Um, 
We're talking about the, the scope and also the impact of these drugs. That I was reading one of the articles dealing with um, was a city up in West Virginia, Huntington, Huntington, West Virginia, I think it was. Population about fifty thousand people, and they estimate that twenty-five percent of the people in that area are addicted to opioids. That's that's a quarter of the population, over twelve thousand people. Um, when you look at some of the issues up there, it's a coal mining area. The coal mines have, have uh, closed. The businesses supporting the mines have closed. Uh, there's no jobs. Uh, they estimate that I think 25,000 people over a period of time have moved away. So these people are up there without any hope, without any uh, future. And they've, they've turned to a sedative, which dulls the mind. These are the opioids, but also gives you a feeling, I have no problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... People get high that way. One of the medics uh, that was interviewed said, I had 28 calls in one day for overdoses. And they were able to administer a drug that counters the opioid and then administer oxygen because the opioids actually slow down the respiratory centers in the brain. And if they slow too far, they die. So he said this was just one day, 28 calls in one day. We're going to talk uh, more about some statistics, some personal stories. Welcome to the program, TW Now. We're talking about the uh, addiction epidemic, the problem that's really sweeping across the United States, Britain, Europe, really around the world. We have um, an addiction, a drug addiction plague or problem or epidemic that's out of control. The numbers are, are staggering. We're going to share more statistics the numbers are staggering. Dr. Doug Winnell just mentioned uh, a, a little town where maybe 25% of the population is addicted. Uh, we're also going to talk about, in a few minutes, some of the reasons. And then we're also going to talk about some of the solutions. Uh, like I said earlier, we're not giving clinical uh, advice necessarily, but we, we, we do want to talk about some of the reasons, some of the causes, and some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the ways to overcome this or prevent it. I do want to remind everybody to share the links, please, the links on Facebook and, and all, also on YouTube. <clears throat> There's an article that I noticed, NBC News, and maybe the team can bring that up on screen. <clears throat> it talks about being born addicted. The number of opioid-addicted babies is soaring. And just really heartbreaking, uh, I'll read a little bit of the introduction. This is sort of the personal human side to it. As a team of nurses unwrapped baby Jaden from the comfort of his swaddling cloth, he wails, his tiny feet shake, his hands clench and unclench. Uh, his suffering is obvious. Born dependent on opioids, the month-old boy and thousands like him are the smallest victims of the opioid epidemic. Scenes like this now play out every day in hospitals across the country. I'm not going to read much more, but one more sentence. Um, as increasing numbers of women of childbearing age struggle with opioid addiction. Nationally, the rate of American children born with neonatal abstinence syndrome, so born drug addicts, uh, has uh, quadrupled, quadrupled in the past 15 years. Now, um, if the production gentleman could bring up on, I think it's page five, you'll see a map there. Well, you won't, it's not page five on the internet. Uh, it, yeah. So there's a little map, and it shows sort of where we have these uh, drug-addicted babies born, and uh, you see the darker area states, and frankly, these are some of the, the poorer states and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the statistics, the human impact, and, and, and start touching on some of the causes. 
Well, I just wanted to point out a couple uh, reports. We've got one from the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, and that may be available for you to see as well. Uh, talks about how this is a, a 2017 report that has recently come out. 29.5 million people globally suffer from drug use disorders. Opioids being the most harmful of these. 29.5 million people currently suffering. That's greater than the population of many nations, for example. And it says opioids are the most harmful, although we've got this move with marijuana legalization around the world. And what we're probably going to see is the impact. There's going to be a wave of problems that comes with that as this addictive drug with lots of side effects. And in the last year, there have been a tremendous amount of studies that have come out to, to prove what these side effects are. Uh, but once this is made legal for recreational use in, in many more nations, we're going to find out some really negative repercussions. Let me read one more, a uh, little bit from a CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report. It says the majority of drug overdose deaths uh, involve opioids. Since 1999, the number of overdose deaths involving opioids, including prescription opioids and heroin, quadrupled. Now get this, the amount of prescription opioids sold to pharmacies, hospitals, and doctors' offices nearly quadrupled from 1999 to 2010. Yet there had not been an overall change in the amount of pain that Americans reported. So what's been happening here, especially in America, but around the world as well, is you've got a whole lot more use and prescribing of these opioids, for, which are essentially painkillers. They're prescribed for that purpose. Yet there's not a need. There's just a whole lot more prescription. In fact, we've got states around this country where the states themselves are suing drug manufacturers for pumping these opioids out into the public when they're not needed. And then, of course, the doctors on the other side are over-prescribing these opioids. So you're, you're putting the product out there. There's not the use for it. You've got bottles laying around, and that's what we're seeing. Most people get these opioids from their family and from their friends. And, and just to repeat what, we, what you, we've said already, highly, highly addictive. And so then they become addicted, and then they're no longer able to get the prescription opioids, and then they turn to illegal and heroin and so forth, end up shooting up, end up getting AIDS from dirty needles. I mean, you go down this path that is, is so, so destructive. So many HIV cases are a result of dirty needles, and not to mention just the other health, um, just, it, it just, you know, opioids, heroin destroys your body. You know, looking at causes, you know, people start taking drugs, um, in high school or college, because it's peer pressure. They want to fit in. They don't want to be left out. These are some of the reasons, but there's also an economic reason here that uh, Dr. Scott mentioned. You know, pharmaceutical companies are in business. They're in business to sell pharmaceuticals. They're in business to sell drugs. And part of the problem is that they have been pushing these drugs to doctors, and part of their message has been they're safe. They're safe, and they've downplayed the addictive aspect of this. So doctors are prescribing pills for mental pain in some cases. You can't solve mental pain with, with pills. Uh, people have empty lives. They're, they're looking to fill that emptiness with something, and they're using a drug to do that. And these are substitutes. As a result, uh, people wind up being uh, addicted. Also, there's a lot of money to be made pushing these things on the street. 
They estimate that some of the drug dealers can make $4,000, $5,000 a day, which amounts to a million and a half dollars a year. And what they do, they'll come into a neighborhood, they'll start passing out free samples. And then once they find out who's addicted, then they've got a market that they can come back to that person and sell the drugs to. So there's a lot of, lot of causes that contributed to these things. And it's almost a, a uh, sort of a self-fulfilling uh, type situation where the more people that become addicted, they're not able to work, you have uh, an increase in crime, things like so forth, your, your soci- society starts to break down, which then leads to more poverty and more broken families and more depression and more stress, which then leads to people wanting to find an, an answer or an escape. So you have, you have a, the, the cycle, then there's more drugs. And so, you know, do, do, do we, do we uh, just as a quick speculative you know, question, um, don't, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but do we see a future where you have just big swaths of the country that really are essentially unproductive, unable to function because you just have you know more communities like the one you mentioned? And I don't want to pick on West Virginia or any particular state, but do do we see a future where we have twenty twenty five percent of our population that just can't function? Are we heading that way? We appear to be heading that way because you look at the map that we had up just a little bit ago, that central part of the U.S., uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, even up into Ohio and Indiana, uh, these rust belt areas where the um, steel mills have closed. People don't have a lot of jobs. They're they're looking to fill their empty lives with something, and they're using a chemical substitute. And it's, I know that the production <clears throat> gentleman just put that map up on screen. Also, some of the western states. It's mostly the Rust Belt, but mm-hmm. I was surprised. Uh, sort of, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, um, where maybe life doesn't seem quite as as hard. You know, the the coal mines didn't all close down or whatever, but. Uh, it seems to be growing there as well. Well, you've got this helplessness and this mm-hmm. hopelessness <clears throat> and this lack of goals that people have. You have um, the belief that there aren't problems with these drugs. The myth, for example, that marijuana isn't addictive and it doesn't cause problems. Uh, you've got the myth that these medicines that you have in your medicine cabinet, you can share them with your family members because they're, they're your medicines and it's, it, your family owns them and it's not that big of a deal when in fact these things are very addictive. You've also got a situation where people aren't, aren't morally pushed to take care of their body. You've got the uh, sort of the myth out there or the misnomer that it's my body and I can do with it whatever I want to. When in fact in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, God makes the comment that our bodies are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. They're not our own. There used to be a, a moral backbone that individuals had where it said, I'm not going to abuse things and I'm not going to abuse my body. I'm going to protect my body. I'm not going to get drunk or intoxicated, and these, these drugs are intoxicants. Um, but now that we've gotten sort of rid of the moral compass in our societies, people are going to these substances to escape. There is no God to escape to anymore. We go to drugs instead. And so there's this whole cycle that's complex and it's difficult, and once you get addicted to something, it's very, very difficult to quit. Let's talk about that for just a second. <clears throat> if, um, what, if, what if a drug is legalized? Uh, you know, then then does that remove the moral uh, prohibition or moral problem? I mean, what 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 is what is what is our answer there? What you know, tobacco is legal. Yeah, these things are legal, but that does not remove the physiological 
consequences of taking these things. These are addictive drugs. They, they destroy the body. They destroy the mind. So it may be legal, but it's, it's going to do things to the person's body. It's going to do things then to the family. It's going to do things, as you mentioned, to the unborn babies. Uh, they come out addicted to these drugs. You know, somebody ought to go to a, a nursery and watch what happens when these babies come out to, of delivery and they're shaking. And then watch them for the next several weeks or several months where they're, they're crying. They're, their bodies are all t- tensed up like that. And there's going to be neurological damage later. I've got a friend who has a family member that adopted some kids that were born addicted. And now they're in their t- uh, late 20s or early 20s, mid 20s. And they've got, they've got really severe problems. And they were trying to help this little child that was born addicted, but then they have had all kinds of things to deal with down the road. These are the consequences. Well, the scripture even talks about how the drunkard is not going to enter the kingdom of God. First Corinthians talks about that. Yet God at the same time says it's okay to enjoy wine. In fact, Christ himself made wine. What's up with that? How, how do we justify that? When we look at drunkenness, we, we are looking at a state where a person is no longer in control of their mind or their body. And whether a drug is legal or not, if it puts you in that kind of a state, God gives the example with alcohol. He says, if you're not in control of your body, if you're putting your faith in a substance, you have no part in me. I'm not going to let you be in my kingdom. So whether you're smoking marijuana in the state of Alaska where it's legal, uh, you're intoxicated with that. You can't smoke marijuana and not be intoxicated. The whole point is to get intoxicated and to lose your mental faculties. You mentioned one other thing about, we were talking about how these are problems in parts of the country where the economy is going down, but you mentioned the Western states. Dr. Scott lived in Wyoming for a number of years, teaching up that area. And I remember going up there and said, wow, this is beautiful. You got a prairie that just goes out here, uh, mountains. He said, but dad, you would not um, realize you, you don't understand what the problems are up here with drugs and other things. We were in the Caribbean some years ago, and I made the same comment. I said, you know, it's beautiful down here. And the person said, yes, but you don't understand the problems that are here. Before we transition to, um, let's talk about what, what could some of the potential cures be, kind of moving to topic two, and, uh, how can society or, or you know, religion address this? I, we were talking about an interesting press release from the White House. Uh, it just came out a couple of days ago. <laughs> President Donald Trump is taking action on drug addiction and the opioid crisis. I mean, great, you know. But but what president hasn't? What president hasn't taken action? So to you know, quote unquote. Uh, so, anyways, the the the, the uh, press release reads. So, sort of back to the 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 impact, but also maybe what's some of the solution. The press release reads, drug addiction and opioids are ravaging America. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have lost their lives to drug abuse. And it's not just America. It's Belgium. It's Saudi Arabia. It's Japan. It's all around the world. Uh, But back to this press release, in 2016, more than 2 million Americans had an addiction to prescription or illicit opioids. Since 2000, over 300,000 Americans have died from overdoses involving opioids. I mean, that, that's, that's a, a, a fairly good-sized city uh, that's been wiped out by, by opioids. Um, in 2015 alone, there were 52,000 drug overdose, overdose deaths. Anyways, this is just going to get worse and so forth. It's 175 deaths 
a day. I mean, the, the statistics are, are hard to, to, um, to follow. One, one last stat. In 2014, the number of babies born dependent had increased by 500% since 2000. And one of, that other, one of the other articles that I was reading earlier, it talked about this little baby who was in the hospital for like 34 days, shaking and going through withdrawal before they could even release it. And as you said, then it's probably going to have you know, health effects forever. So you know, what, what, let's start talking a little bit about the cure. Let's start talking a little bit about, about what society can do. Uh, Dr. Doug, you were mentioning something about Britain. I want you to maybe discuss that right now about Britain and China and the opioid market <coughs> and so forth. Um, what can society do and what is society doing? Maybe just a little bit of history that we're seeing an epidemic today of opioids, basically heroin type of things. When you go back to the 1850s, the British were growing opium in India. They had a, they had a product that they needed a market for, and the market was China. China did not want opium brought into the country because they were realizing they estimated i think at that time about 200 about 2 million people were addicted and the chinese didn't want any more but the british wanted a market so they brought their gun gunboats uh came into uh, the bay there around canton with their gunboats and they basically forced themselves in so they came in with boatloads full of uh opium and also uh missionaries with bibles uh, and this, this kind of blew the minds of the Chinese. But what's interesting today is synthetic opioids are now coming from China. These are things you can mix up in a lab. You don't need to grow it. But that is coming to Mexico, then coming up here, along with um, uh, cocaine and things that come out of Central America. So in one sense, the Europeans pushed the Chinese to um, buy opium, and now the Chinese are sending some things over here that are now impacting us in a big way. You know, so part of it is making it uh, illegal. Uh, part of it is uh, uh, doing counseling. But a lot of these things are very physical. They're very physical. I think a lot of it is prevention. <clears throat> um, maybe one of the principles is that very famous scripture, Matthew six thirty three. <clears throat> what are we supposed to seek First, you know, we're supposed to seek first uh, God's kingdom, His righteousness. Um, we're not supposed to seek first pleasure or escape, you know, or whatever. And I think some people are looking for escape, and I understand that there's economic problems, and you know, I understand. But if you if you turn to God in prayer every day, if you if you get counseling from a minister, from a you know, from a, a counselor, um, and and you stay away from drugs in the first place. You stay away from uh, opioids in the first place. You don't abuse prescription drugs in the first place. You know, don't go down that path in the first place. Because I think that's maybe one of the mistakes people make is that they think they're strong enough to, to dabble or, or, or try it out. And we have questions on Facebook. Um, and one, one, one person is mentioning how in Revelation 21, it talks at verse 8, it talks about pharmakeia and how people, you know, God, God predicted right there in Revelation 21, verse 8, that, that at the end of the age, you know, people won't give up their drugs. Uh, it seems like God has revealed through the Bible that there's going to be this, this push to, you know, escape through drugs. And I think maybe we just need to be upfront and tell people, look, that's a real pressure don't start down that path. Maybe that's one reason why we're in the, in the, in the church of God. We're so um, adamant about don't, don't begin. Don't go down the path with marijuana. Don't go down the path with, with whatever. Don't abuse anything. 
because you're, you're, you're playing with fire. Yeah, let me just mention Revelation 21.8, also Galatians 5.20, talk about sorcery. The Greek for the word sorcery here is pharmakeia or pharmakia. Um, that word is the root that we get our word pharmacy from or pharmaceutical from. It has to do with drugs possibly used in the, in the process of worship, but also people turning to the substance rather than the creator, people turning to this, the drugs as a savior, if you will, as a way out, as a protector, instead of turning to the great God himself. When we look around at world society, the, the former so-called Christian nations have begun dumping God. And when you get rid of God, when you get rid of a, 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 an all-powerful being to turn to for help, what do you turn to? You turn to yourself, you turn inward, and you look for some way to escape. And these substances provide a quick way of escape, but a lot of problems come with that, as does the addiction itself. So uh, some of the answers we're not going to be able to get to in this life until we have Christ's return and until we have people beginning to live by God's law again, recognizing there is a creator, there is a healer, there is a stainer, there's a protector that they can turn to recognizing that when they begin to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, instead of self-pleasure and self-justification, beginning to serve others instead of self, it really begins to turn the mind and the heart around, and you don't need these substances anymore. You know, there's another dimension here. The number of uh, drug rehabilitation programs have started to focus on helping people find a purpose in life as Dr. Scott was talking about, serving other people, having a purpose to live. You know, this is really the gospel that Jesus Christ brought to this earth, about seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, it's not just some warm hot spot in your heart. It's about a coming government that Jesus Christ is going to set up on this earth. It's literally going to change things. And if we have a focus on those things, you know, a lot, some of these problems are developing in the Bible Belt, mm -hmm. which means the religion that is there is not imparting really the true gospel, what the purpose of human life is. Even the counseling sessions talking about developing a purpose, getting a hobby, uh, helping people. These are good purposes, but they're not the ultimate purpose. You know, we've talked about and, and published this little booklet on your ultimate destiny. This is talking about the ultimate purpose of life of becoming part of God's family, being in the kingdom of God. This is a purpose that is going to help people deal with these pressures. You mentioned the Bible Belt. We are getting close to the end of the program. We'll go for a few more minutes. Um, we've talked about a number of scriptures. We've talked about pro some of the, the reasons for the problems. We're talking a little bit about how to prevent or avoid or overcome. And we talked about Matthew 6, 33, seeking first the kingdom of God. Dr. Scott, you were mentioning in Corinthians that our, our body is, is the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit. It should be. We should take care of it. You know, I think maybe also it's worth mentioning uh, the Ten Commandments and the First Commandment, which is, you shall have no other God before you. And um, there's some questions on the internet, and I don't want to... Um, to uh, you know, come down too hard on people, but um, if you're putting a God before you, then you're breaking the first commandment. So don't do that. And if that's, if that's anything, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to call out anybody on the internet, but, but let's, let's fear God and let's not ask questions that are these trivial questions about certain types of foods and drinks. 
opioids and drugs destroy lives and they force you, you allow them to break the first commandment and to put them as a God before God. And so things like other foods or, or whatever uh, don't do that. Um, so drugs are a certain set of, of evil that, that will put themselves into your life before God. So that, that's not the case with, um, I'm drinking a cup of tea here and I enjoy it. That's not the case with a cup of tea. So I'm, I'm sorry, but, um, you know... Unless you get addicted to it. If you get addicted to tea and you're putting it before God, then right. don't get addicted to tea and don't put it before God. But tea and heroin are not the same thing. You know, one of the reasons babies are born addicted is because their mother had a drug that was more important than the child. One of the reasons kids get into drugs, if their parents are passed out on the floor, this is the example that they see. The, one of these articles I think we were talking about, The Atlantic, on how Iceland got teens to say no to drugs, uh, has some very practical things. They got kids after school involved with athletics, but they also told parents. They said, you've got to spend quality time and quantity time with your children. You've got to spend time with them. Your example is extremely important. Get to know their friends. Uh, you know, set a very different example. And if they do that, they actually drop the alcohol rate of teenagers, I think, in Iceland from about 40% of the teenagers to 5%. Wow, yeah. Over period, and these are just physical programs. But if you can add a spiritual dimension to this, I remember talking with one of my advisors in graduate school. We were uh, preparing programs to stop uh, alcohol and drug abuse. And I made a comment to this advisor. I said, You know, you're trying to solve this problem with one hand tied behind your back because you're not talking about scripture, you're not talking about biblical principles. And the person just kind of, Well, we can't talk about that in public schools. Well, that's part of the problem, that we've defined God out of the picture. We've defined out of the picture biblical principles that provide guidelines. It's interesting, the, the article in The Atlantic. There's a, a whole body of scientific literature that talks about developmental assets and how when children have these assets, they will not engage in drug behaviors and other high-risk kinds of behaviors. Developmental assets are things like family support, parents' social resources, Parents who communicate to their kids on a regular basis, um, parental standards or laws within the family, parental discipline, parental monitoring, time at home that both parents and children spend. These types of things empower kids, goals that kids have for the future. And when they have these things, many of these are actually biblical principles. Um, when, when these things are present in the lives of children and in the lives of adults, they don't get involved in things like drugs. So prevention really is a powerful tool. But it does come back to, you're right, the Ten Commandments. It comes back to recognizing God is God. He sits on his throne and he has expectations for us. And there are right and wrong behaviors to begin with. The behaviors reminds me of, I think it's <laughs> Romans 13, 13, where we're supposed to walk um, properly. You know, and so what you're talking about is is families behaving in a proper, good way, and that positive, um, you know, example, and a family that's got drug addiction problems or a society that has drug addiction problems is not walking properly. They're going to be the wrong example. They're going to breed more problems. And really, God, you know, God sent Jesus Christ to die for the sins of 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 all of us. 
and he loves the world and he he doesn't love the sins he doesn't love the 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 you know the the pain and the suffering but he loves each of you he loves all of us and he doesn't want people to have broken families broken societies broken <coughs> nations and and we don't want you to have that either so i think we're you know we're probably preaching um abstinence and uh, avoiding and, and so forth, but, but we understand that you have to have good examples and support structures and counseling and, and so forth if you find yourself you know, struck with these, um, these, these addictions or facing them. Some final concluding comments before we, we wrap up? You know, I think we look, a lot of people look to God to try and solve all their problems, but God is a righteous God. He's a God that makes righteous judgments. And there's a number of scriptures in the prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Two and also Hosea, where he says, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. He allows people to make decisions. And what we're doing today, we're reaping the results of a society that for about the last hundred years, the educators have said, there's no real God in the sky. You know, you, there's no right and wrong. You can do whatever you want. And we're reaping the results of that today. But if we want to break those habits and get out of that, we've got to get back to fundamentals of what is right, what is wrong. There is a God that has given us a way to live. And if we, can, if we choose to go that way, things are going to be a lot better. You know, I think I wanted like to make a comment that we, we can't condemn people who wind up as addicts. There's so, addiction is such a complex situation. Most people don't choose to go down that course. But societal situations a lack of training, a lack of education, uh, an ease of access, a whole bunch of things lead to addiction. Ultimately, though, God says, and all the way back in Deuteronomy, he makes the observation that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Ultimately, God wants us to make a choice. His Bible outlines the path that leads to life. It's a hard thing to do. This is Satan's world, we're told in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. But God's way does work. It will work. And to really begin to stem the tide of these addictions and these drug problems, we've, we've, there's only one way that leads to life, and it's God's way. I really appreciate everybody's uh, <clears throat> questions and comments. Thank you, Dr. Doug Winnell, Dr. Scott Winnell. Uh, join us next Thursday, same time, uh, same location, Facebook and YouTube. Please share the link. Uh, if you, any of you out there are dealing with problems like this or have family or friends that are dealing with problems, pray about it. Um, let us know. Get, get, get counseling. Get help. Get professional help. Uh, God is our healer. Um, turn to him as well. We thank you for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday. <clears throat>